and welcome to Moments with Moni. I'm so glad you're here, where we ponder life from a biblical perspective, where salt makes us thirsty and light exposes darkness. Come, let's ponder these things together. Well, hello, and welcome back to Moments with Moni. It sure has been difficult to get to this point. I just don't want this biblical covenant series to end. But I guess when we get to the end of this episode, we'll see that it really hasn't ended. As long as we're alive and have breath, there's still work to do. So let's start with the last few podcast episodes that have been about the Davidic covenant and the other covenants. They're a reminder of why we were looking into the covenants. One of the last things I mentioned was that it helps us to understand God's plan to be his ambassadors and his representatives of these covenants, and it helps us take a look at how they play out in the Bible, in our lives, and for our future. The time frame of some of these covenant promises from God overlap in history and also in our future, into our future. The Edenic from was from the beginning of the Garden of Eden and to the end of Genesis chapter 2 when Adam sinned. The Adamic began at Genesis 3 to as long as there is sin on the earth, way into the future of our life on this planet and possibly beyond. And then there's the Noahic from the ark, began at the ark, to the end of rainbows. The Abrahamic is next, which lasts until the end of the millennium. And then the Mosaic, we looked at that, and it lasted from the receiving of the law at Mount Sinai to the death of Jesus on the cross. The Davidic covenant was next. That began from the days of David's kingdom It was renewed to Mary through Luke chapter 1 and then fulfilled through Jesus until the end of time. And here we come to the Messianic or the New Covenant, which applies to all who are saved through faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross from Adam onward. Only two of the covenants had conditions that were attached. Do you remember which ones those were? One was the Edenic. Remember, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the other one was the Mosaic law. This was given solely to the people of Israel. It ended with the death of Jesus. Well, technically, it ended then. However, many kept trying to crawl back under this old covenant known as the law, rather than looking forward to the new covenant of grace. Marriage, it's what brings us together today. Do you recall that movie line? Okay, so I flubbed it up, but you get the point. Marriage ceremonies have changed over the years. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Currently, it looks like a contract between two people that can be broken when feelings change. And that is why a prenuptial agreement comes in handy today for those who look at marriage as a contract that is breakable at one point down the road. But remember, we looked at how God intended a marriage to be. 
In fact, a marriage covenant was a representation of the covenant relationship God made with mankind. There is no relationship with God outside of a covenant. Are you in a covenant with God right now? If you are, do you know which one or ones? Can you state the benefits and the responsibilities of the covenant that you are a part of with God? If not, you might want to check back through the covenant series again and take notes or just check out the blog posts that coincide with each episode and compare it to your Bible. Our current culture tends to look at love as something to be received. The Old Testament describes the love of God as his loving kindness or loyal love. It is pictured in the book of Ruth three times and is described as hesed love or loving kindness, loyal love, and is expressed through actions, expressed as genuine concern for others, and demonstrated as strong devotion to another. The Christian wedding is actually filled with symbolism about the making of a covenant. We spoke of the making of a covenant in past episodes. The Hebrew word for covenant is berith. The root word of berith is to cut. A blood covenant was a formal binding agreement between two parties. In the Old Testament, It was done by the cutting of an animal whose blood was shed to make the agreement binding. In the new covenant, the better sacrifice, who was Jesus, gave his own blood to make the covenant binding and the shedding of blood from an animal no longer necessary. Then the two parties would walk through the middle of the animal's sacrifice In the Old Testament times, this ground they walked on through the sacrifice was considered holy ground. They would then pledge and promise all their rights, possessions, and benefits to the other party. They would exchange belts and their outer coat and take some part of the other person's name. This should all sound familiar to you after the last six or so weeks of the Biblical Covenant series, but now... Let's look at what we might see in a marriage ceremony today that would remind us of God's hesed, loyal, loving-kindness love. There would be much joy amongst the family and friends of those that would be getting married. And at the beginning, there would be the seating of the family. The families would be seated on opposite sides of the church, symbolizing the cutting of a blood covenant. The family and friends that attend have also sacrificed in their own way to be a part of this wedding and are witnesses of the making of this covenant. The parents, they sit up front in prominence as they are the ones ultimately responsible for the choice of a spouse for their children. The center aisle symbolizes the center of the blood covenant as they pass through in the making of the covenant. It is also traditional for the center aisle to be lined with a white runner, which symbolizes holy ground. And then why does the groom wait for the bride up front? Well, Ephesians chapter 5 gives us a picture of the church's union with Christ. 
God the Father initiated the relationship through his son Jesus, who called out his bride from among those on the earth, the church. Jesus, the church's beloved, gave his blood to initiate the union, and now he waits for his bride. Can you see the symbolism in this wedding? I can. Now that we've studied through the covenants, let's continue. Who gives this woman? Well, traditionally, the Jewish dad walks the bride down the aisle, signifying he has carried out his responsibility of bringing her to her bridegroom as a pure, chaste virgin bride. Then it is asked, who gives this woman? The father replies, her mother and I do, signifying they both approve of the union and demonstrate the transfer of care and responsibility from her parents to her groom. And then there comes a point of forsaking all others. The bride and groom join right hands, which symbolize the mixing of the blood in the old covenants. The exchanging of vows promised the rights and resources to the other. In older days, in older times, this was done as a one-sided covenant, from the groom to the bride, for she is the weaker vessel. In this ceremony, they commit to each other in front of the witnesses, forsaking all others, and cleave to their spouse. And then there is the wedding garment. The wedding dress signifies the pure heart of the bride and Jesus' own righteousness that he clothed his bride in, a garment of fine linen that is bright and clean. And during a wedding, there is a ring exchange. Today, the ring is a symbol of eternity. In olden days, the ring was used to make a seal of authority. Pressing the ring into a hot candle wax and letting it dry over the seal of a document, signifying God's authority over the marriage. And also a profession of the groom giving his wealth and possessions to the bride as she takes part of his name. Next, we come to the veil. As a symbol of purity and modesty, the bride wears the veil as a covering to show her reverence for her groom and for her God. The veil also reminds us of the curtain in the temple that was torn in two from top to bottom at the moment that Jesus died on the cross. The couple become one and we now have full access to God. Another symbol after the wedding is the couple are presented to the friends and family and witnesses and our attention is brought to the fact that they are now one in name. We can see the similarity of this in the making of a covenant, the cutting of a covenant. And the last of these symbols that I have listed is to go forth and multiply, which was the first of the commands in the covenant with Adam and Eve. Nowadays, rice is thrown at weddings to symbolize the primary purpose of marriage, which is creating a family that loves and honors God. This final covenant that has been made with mankind through Jesus was prophesied or foretold through several of the Old Testament prophets. The Old Covenant that was made with Israel required strict obedience to the Mosaic Law. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death, 
Moses was right in his prediction that Israel would continue to fall in disobedience, and they did. The prophet Jeremiah predicted the new covenant. He said, The day will come when the Lord will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. The Lord said he would put his law into their minds and write them on their hearts, and he will be their God, and they will be his people. The Testament was written on stony tablets, but in the new covenant it will be written on their hearts. Ezekiel 36 mentions the same new covenant and that the Lord will give them a new heart and put a new spirit within them. He will remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And he will put his spirit within them. A covenant promise of a new heart, a new spirit, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which would bring about the true holiness within those who partake of this offer. The new covenant was originally given to Israel and included a blessing. The fulfillment of the new covenant will be seen in two places, on the earth during the millennial reign of Christ and in heaven for eternity. God uses these prophets to let Israel and eventually the Gentiles or everyone else know that God has made a better covenant with us through the shedding of his own son's blood. As we think about the cutting of a covenant, We know that blood is required. 1 Corinthians tells us that we have been bought with a price, a precious sacrifice that we are not our own, but bought with the blood of Jesus. The New Testament confirms these prophets' words in other places as well. Hebrews chapter 9 shows us that Jesus' sacrifice was superior in that it was perfect voluntary, rational, and motivated by love, by pure, hesed, loyal, loving-kindness love. The death of the Old Testament brings the New Testament to light. There is a necessity of death for the last will and testament to become active. Under this new covenant, we are given the opportunity to receive salvation as a free gift Our responsibility is to exercise faith in Christ, in the one who fulfilled the law on our behalf and brought an end to the law's sacrifices through his own sacrificial death. Through the life-giving Holy Spirit who lives in all believers, we share in the inheritance of Christ and enjoy a permanent, unbroken relationship with God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We have a choice. We can choose life or death. If you choose life Jesus is the answer. If you choose death, go ahead and keep doing what you're doing all on your own. As much as I'd love to take you by the hand and bring you into heaven with me, you have to make that decision. God doesn't want any to perish without him.
He doesn't want any to leave this world without him. Knowing what's ahead in the Bible, I can see the writing on the wall right now. We're headed towards a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economy. This COVID-19 thing is the first thing on the stage that has put us in a place where the whole world had to work together to try and squash this. Well, I think that's only the beginning of what the enemy has planned. But God has a better plan for you. Martin Luther, during the Reformation, stood on salvation by faith alone. Nothing added. Faith in what Jesus did for us. If we are willing to bow our head and bend our knee and surrender our will to God and accept the fact that he is true and just and pure and right, that he loves us and that he made a way for us to be in heaven with him forever, to be in God's presence forever. If we want those things, now is the time to do it because there's a time coming when it will be too late. Right now we're in the church age. These are the last days on earth and we're only, as believers, only waiting for, as the church, as the bride of Christ, we're only waiting for our groom to return for us. That's the next thing on the schedule. After that, we've got seven years of tribulation. Now, people may have a different end time scenario for you. This is If you want to study it yourself, figure it out for yourself. This is what I see. No, the word rapture is not in our American Bible, but you can find the concept in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. It'll be the resurrection of the church, the rapture out of this world. And we, as the bride of Christ, will go be with our groom. Then during that seven-year tribulation period, The world ruler will make its way on the stage, will break a treaty after three and a half years of peace, and then there will be ugliness and Jerusalem will be attacked. And also during the seven-year period, there will be Israel that is restored to represent God, 144,000 Israelite male virgins will be believers and will be sealed to Christ and will continue sharing the message. And then Israel begins to seek God as a nation towards the end of this horrible seven-year tribulation. And just as Jerusalem will be attacked, Jesus returns. However, I'm getting ahead of myself It is Jesus that we're talking about right now for this time, for such a time as this that needs to be in our lives. There's an ugliness on this world that only the Holy Spirit is holding back. And that Holy Spirit, our comforter that God promised us, is inside of every believer. And once we are raptured up out of this world, that is when all restraint will be taken out of the world and the enemy our spiritual enemy to all of mankind will be taking over and doing all that he can to destroy hearts and lives, even more than he's doing now. We do not battle against flesh and blood. 
People are not our enemy. We have a spiritual enemy. And that's who Jesus is helping to rescue us from out of this earth that has been filled with so much sin and sorrow because of our own doing. God made this a beautiful place. You remember that? It was a beautiful garden. And yet, he also gave us choice, free will. He didn't create us to be robots, to do his bidding. He wants a voluntary, loving, hesed, sweet, loyal, loving kindness, love out of us to be returned to his heart. Let me remind you that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Have you seen his covenant? Have you seen his covenant love? Have you seen the offer of beautiful, hesed love that he has given you? Will you partake of it? Or will you throw it away, trample upon it? For those of us that are no longer under the law, the covenant of law, but under the covenant of grace, we know that we can come boldly to the throne of God anytime we need our God, and he will be there for us. And when we do join together as a community of believers and take communion, we're actually showing the world what it is like to be in covenant love with our God. 1 Corinthians 11.4 reminds us to do these things in remembrance of what God has done for us. We are to take the bread of communion and remember his body that was broken for us. And we also take the juice that reminds us that his blood was shed for us. The ultimate worthy sacrifice of Jesus is pictured in this covenant ritual this time of communion with our God. So the next time you sit to take communion, remember the covenant, the new covenant that was made through Jesus' blood on our behalf. Why? Because Jesus loves us. Because God loves us and he wants to be with his people. He cannot wait to see us face to face. Well, he can see us. I can't wait to see him face to face one day soon. For now, there's work to do on this earth. I don't know what work you have, but today my work was to share these things with you. And should you find these things important I pray that first it would affect your own heart and that you would share it with others and show them how important it is to know that Jesus loves them. It will be my delight and my pleasure to meet you all in heaven one day. For now, I wanted to go through Ephesians chapter 1 again, as we did at the beginning of this series. And now we can see how much we have learned or not learned and need to go back and listen or read or study again. Paul starts with a greeting in Ephesians chapter 1 and he says, and it says, Paul, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in our beloved Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will, that hidden part that is not hidden anymore, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. That, here's the secret, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. We belong to Jesus. Wherefore, I also, Paul says, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, Oh, I don't ever stop giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that you may know him and know his power, the eyes that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what it is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints are, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this world but also in which in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things in the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all We are the church. We are the body. He is our groom and we are his bride. He is all that we need. 
If you've enjoyed listening to Moments with Moni, you can find a lot more information on the website at momentswithmoni.com. There'll be background information on each of the podcasts, a way to subscribe, and information to connect in many different ways. Thanks so much for listening.